I am taught my patients all the time. If anyone ever came up to you and asked you where you got your filler done, that's a problem for me. And that's how I've always felt. Dissolving is becoming huge. We just bought a mind ray ultrasound. We have ultrasound guided, ultrasound guided dissolving, which is incredible. We've seen do a lot of Renuva here. And just for that principle. Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast. Today, I have a guest named Amy Peterson. You may know her as the Skin Savant. She's a licensed medical esthetician with over 16 years of experience. She's worked all across the country, serving many different patient populations, and she's also worked as a clinical educator for some of the devices you for sure know, like All Therapy, Fraxel, Clear and Brilliant. She's known as the skincare specialist to the stars, and she uses the most most leading technologies in skin to really approach every single patient differently. Her arsenal is absolutely incredible and so is her knowledge base. And she, like me, believes that no two patients need the same treatment and no two patients will need the same skincare routine. There's so much variation and really the magic is in how we incorporate all these different things. She always seeks to uncover the why behind someone's skin issues so that she can expertly tackle the how. This conversation with Amy Peterson is so incredibly enlightening. I cannot wait for you to hear all about some of the tried and true modalities we have, but also what's coming on the horizon in 2024 and what we're really excited about. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're a very busy woman, so I appreciate you taking the time to chat with my audience and I know they're going to learn so much from you. So thanks thank for you taking so much the time. for having me. I'm super excited. So one question I always start every interview with is what is your first skincare memory, your earliest memory? You know, I, I think it's it's more of like a beauty memory. I fondly remember watching my mom like do her regimen when I was little and then do like her makeup. It's funny. My mom's name is Sheila and even my boys, they call it the Sheila when I do my makeup because we all make this face. But I like just remember feeling Aww. like it was like so glamorous and that was like her time to, to take care of herself and looking at her creams, like her big pot of cream and how she put that on. So I would say that's probably my earliest memory. Yeah, I think for most of us, it involves a mother figure of some sort. And I agree with you. They're such fond memories to remember our moms that way. So that is a pretty common memory. And I want to talk a little bit about your career backstory. So you have really made a name for yourself in the industry. You're a true expert on all things skincare and devices. So how did you get from point A to point B? Give us a little backstory how you got here. Yeah, it's interesting. I've always, I've always loved skincare. I've always loved skin. I mean, I'm just a generally curious person. I would say that's one of the traits that I like most in other people as well. So I started out, I went through school and everything. And then I moved to Seattle because my husband was in residency and we had to move there for his residency, which is an eight year long residency. Upon arriving in Seattle, I was like, I'm not going to take just any job. I'm really like, if I'm going to move across the country for this man, I'm going to find my dream job. And I landed it like the stars aligned. It was 2006 and it was, it was a beautiful plastic surgery practice. Non-invasive was just becoming about. There was, I think they had one laser, the Cyton BBL micro laser peel. We had an OR in sight. We had three different rooms. Dr. Gray would be cutting and sewing in the back, which is what plastic surgeons love to do. And he really wanted to build up the non-invasive side of things. And so when he brought me on, he was like, look, see what we can do here. I'm hiring you to really 
launch this. And, and it was exactly what I wanted. It was a space to be creative with his guidance, do a lot of different things. So I started in Seattle. I, you know, made a name for myself. I had a lot of clientele there. Soon after that, different companies started approaching me for various reasons, asking me like how I was doing such high volume and things like that. And that led to a clinical educator path where they asked me to come on and start training other offices and consulting for other offices and why were we so successful and what was going on in our practice. And at the time, it's very funny because at the time my husband was making like no, no money because that's what happens in residency. So I did it because I could go to California occasionally and because it was obviously extra money. And those are my two reasons. And I loved it, but I didn't really, I didn't know enough about it. And I felt like it was such a pivotal part in my career. I look back and I always say, I got a PhD in, in learning about other offices. I got a PhD in learning about devices. Like, and, and I see that, and obviously I'm not taking anything away from an actual PhD, but just that experience, like no one else, you, you don't just, that's not like a job that you just land and you just start doing. You really just gain all this experience through going to different offices. And that's what I did for a very long time. I'm going to probably, I'm going to jump the gun here a little bit. So like how, at what point were you like, I want something of my own? Did you know from the beginning you wanted your own space or were you comfortable building it for somebody else? And then the thoughts started to pop up later on. So when I was in all these offices, I would take these pearls of things that people were doing really well. I wasn't a client, but I wasn't an employee. I was the person in the break room observing everything. And it was such a unique perspective. And that's why I say I gather all this information and I just started seeing things that were also not done well. And I just thought they could be done better. And so enough of that happened that finally, when we moved to Miami and my husband started as an attending, I was like, okay, I don't need to be like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be working and supporting. Of course we support each other, but this was my time that I could really do what I want to. And I did. And it was I just set out to make a really super unique office and I knew that it was a saturated market, but I also had all this experience, like really, I don't think anything can replace experience. And I just, I was like, I'm going to try and listen, if all fails, I'll have a lot of devices to make myself look young and beautiful forever. So you have this way of practicing that you're known for, and it's really incredible. And I'm a huge fan of this thought, this school of thought. But can you tell us a little bit about what prejuvenation is and how you approach your patients in this way and how we can obtain that for ourselves? Yeah. So I think that a lot of people wait till there's an issue or they it's, it's annoying them for a long time a long enough time where they're like, now I want to correct that. And they haven't done anything on the back end. Same with diet and exercise. They just wait till there's a problem and then correct it. The doctors now need to start working out. So this is a thought process of we we're in this age, we're in 2024, where we have these things to maintain our youth. I also think that people are in such a better position with their fiber and elastin and their collagen content in their face that doing these treatments and not overdoing it, but doing them to prejuvenate, to, to not get to major correction. When a client comes into me, I either put them in maintenance mode or corrective mode. Usually still, it's usually the person's I don't like insert and we correct. And then it's like, how do we maintain that? And I think it's a really important concept, just not waiting till everything falls apart. I also think that you could do too much of that and you could do almost nothing. So it's a really nice, happy place in the middle where you're taking a look at the skin, taking a look at 
the aging process and really finding these little treatments. I always say, what? let's make a treatment arsenal for you. Let's put all those treatments that we know work really well, and then let's come up with a game plan. And this is after knowing a patient for a little bit. Let's come up with a game plan of how I think you should treat throughout the year. I love that. And that's the benefit of having access to so many different modalities because we chatted about this a little bit um, previously, but sometimes what happens in practices is they're there are only a few devices to choose from. And then there's a lot of pressure coming from the people above you to then sell those devices. And I've spoken about this before. I'm very lucky to be in a practice that's very much not that way. And I can really cherry pick exactly what I want to use on a patient. But I think there are some providers, sometimes through no fault of their own, that tend to push the same few devices without really knowing much about the rest of them. So I was very impressed by your office and just the different modalities that you have. And I think that's really key. I love that word arsenal that you use because we really have to look at the face holistically, right? We need to look at everything that's going on, how everything kind of moves and looks together, and all the different options we have to maintain or, like you said, correct what you have going on. And speaking of devices, I think that it seems we're entering into this era where people are starting to step away from injectables, especially I see it with fillers. I don't know if you're seeing it in your practice as well. I know that you have injectors working for you as well, but I am still seeing a lot of people interested in Botox and biostimulators, less so in fillers because I think there, there's, got, there's been some bad press around them recently with celebrities melting their filler and things like that which I think is warranted, right? Like you said, you can go too far with these things. But I would just love to know, what's your opinion on Yeah, it's funny. My social media team just showed me something from like 2020. And I was talking about things of the future. And one of it was less filler. And especially in the Mideast. And so we saw the writing on the wall a long time ago. We we do a lot of Renuva at this practice. One one of my injectors is the trainer for Renuva. We're hosting a ton of people here to, to train other people how to replace like with like, fat with fat, essentially. And that it's really not a biostimulatory. It's not a filler, but it's in another class, but it's closer to biostimulatory. It's a more natural process. It doesn't draw in water. So you don't have that puffy look. And I do think people want that. I I just think that the other thing I will say about this, and this is very true, is that when people are like, I don't want filler, I, I think that's just like this generic statement that's they don't really understand because a lot of times what they're seeing is the disasters. They see disasters out there. They don't see the countless amount of women who are doing filler that look supernatural in the correct place with the correct placement with the right product. So I think that's like a generic statement. I still think filler works really well. We do a lot of filler still in the chin, in the temples. Sometimes we do biosimilatories along the jawline. We do, we really only stick to Renuva in the mid face, but it's a way that we structure and we want our patients. Like I am taught my patients all the time. If anyone ever came up to you and asked you where you got your filler done, that's a problem for me. And that's how I've always felt. So I, I saw the writing on the wall. I also think Dissolving is becoming huge. We just bought a MindRay ultrasound. We have ultrasound guided, ultrasound guided dissolving, which is incredible. We've seen some encapsulations in, in, in tricky places and stuff. And we've been able to dissolve that and have really happy people. But we do a lot of Renuva here and just for that principle. But I think it's, I, I think that you just, everything is picking the right product for the right area of the face 
you tend to swell a lot throughout here, throughout your mid face and underneath your eyes. So putting a filler in there is not a great idea. It never has been. So we just take a deep dive because I have been a clinical educator for so long. The four pillars at my practice are where innovation meets education, meets luxury, meets warmth. Those four have to be there. So we take, we have clinical educators here. Like we take a very deep dive. We're very serious about what we want to put out in the world and show up in the world as a practice. Yeah, I love that. And to your point, I am also very anti-filler in the mid-face. And for me personally, I that's something I, I caught on to very early, I think, because I'm one of the unlucky few who has malar edema already. Like I just genetically have a lot of edema under my eyes. So I've always been, I've always steered clear of it for myself, especially when I started noticing people coming in and I was seeing them for the first time and they were interested in like lips or something. And I'm like, no, we need to take care yeah. of this first. Like we need to start dissolving some of this. So I love that. And for the audience who doesn't know, which I think will be the majority of them, can you explain a little bit about what Renuva so is? Renuva, the best way I can describe it is it's a honeycomb matrix that's injected into the skin and it sends the messenger cells to tell your body to stimulate the fat in that area. So basically the honey, the fat has to fill up in that honeycomb matrix. They're just like any filler. We, Rochelle's a expert, Tatiana is an expert now because we've been using it for a very long time. So we know how to use it. There's a certain way to fill, but basically it's stimulating your natural fat over the course of the next 12 weeks with a beautiful natural outcome. And the fat pads in the face are so important and nobody talks about them. I just, I don't think people even realize they have them. I always call them, they're the, the glue that holds the face up and back. And as we age, they get smaller, we shift forward. You may have your fat pads shifting down. So we replace those fat pads mm -hmm. as best we can. We have an analogy that I came up with a long time ago that it's my whole office uses and a lot of people use now that my, are my clients because it's the mattress and the sheets. So we fix the mattress with Renuva and then we use our other things to fix the sheets. And so people will come in and be like, how does my sheets look? And we're like, amazing, no more pigment, everything else. So it's really that effect of, of building the framework and then having that skin that really reflects light and not, and doesn't absorb it. And those are really important principles for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where it's key to make sure that you're seeing an expert because all of that you just articulated is something that. The consumer notices but doesn't know how to put into words, right? Our eyes recognize those qualities in other people, whether good or bad, whether our brain recognizes them as youthful or not. But we don't know how to articulate those things to our injector, right? So it's really important that you go to someone who can take what you're saying and then translate it into a way that will allow them to actually Absolutely. treat Absolutely. And at the end of the day, people just – when we use these analogies, it just makes a lot more sense and it's easier. Even from a clinical education standpoint – in my course of learning, like all of those things were so helpful. Even understanding we have so many different devices out there. Is it working in the mattress? Is it working in the sheets? How's it working? You, you can't just come in and say, which everyone does. My friend did so and should I do it? And their friend looks nothing like them. So I really, when I'm doing a consultation, right. I really like to take a deep dive in into like where, why I didn't choose a certain device and why I did choose a certain device and give them their why. I think knowing your why is so, it's critical at my practice. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't know their why that really need to discover it. 
Yes, 100%. And just last night, I had um, posted a video to my stories from a previous podcast I did with Vanessa Lee, who is an injector out in um, Southern California. And she was one of the audience questions that they had for her was about morpheusate and fat loss. And so she answered it in a way, and I had reposted that video. And then Earlier that day, I had posted a video from Dr. Anthony Yoon, who I had interviewed recently, and someone messaged me, she's, I'm so confused. You're interviewing someone who likes Morpheus and someone who doesn't, and I'm like, nobody likes it or doesn't. It's all about patient, picking the right patient and understanding what that device is capable of and making sure that you have someone actually, the the person handling the device is well, has done many of them and knows what to expect, knows what to look for, knows how to select their patients. It's so key with any of these devices. And exactly to your point, you can't come in and say, I want this device, right? That's just not how it works. You really need to let the expert look at your skin, understand what you need, have an open conversation with you about your goals. And exactly like you said, why you might choose one device. Yeah. And it's all about managing expectations. That is huge. Like it's so important for people to understand because I never want to come across and be misleading that this can do something that it can't. If someone comes in here and I think they need a blepharoplasty, I love blepharoplasties. I worked in surgery for 10 years. I'm like, go get a blepharoplasty. It's amazing. And, and here's my recommendations of things mm-hmm. I've seen. But some people come in and they're like, I'm not going to do surgery. I, I doesn't matter what you do or what you say. And what are some of my options? And then it's just important if they're an older patient with more laxity that is a surgical candidate to really guide them into the right treatments and then manage that expectation. I can't tell you how important it is. I'm a truth teller and I I want that to continue because I feel like people appreciate that. Like I tell the girls here, we've never, I've never sold anything and neither have they. Like we educate and the client makes the decision on what they want. That's what, at the end of the day, they're looking for someone who has their back, who trusts them. And I built a practice that I do have their back and trust them. And that's giving 120% every time. Yeah, I agree completely. I will be the first one to tell someone when I think they're a surgical candidate and that I don't think their their money is going to be well spent on something because the last thing I want is somebody spending their hard-earned money on a procedure and then being disappointed. That's that's worst-case scenario. So I'm very open about what I think things can and can't do, and you have to be. And that's exactly how you've built such an amazing business because your clientele trust you so implicitly. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've also been known if I feel like I've had a couple patients that, like, they keep me up at night or patients, clients using invertingly. Uh, they keep me up because I'm like, I don't yes. know. Like, I don't think any of our devices are going to help that specific problem, but I will search for the answer. And I've been known to call someone up two years later and be like, I got it. Like, this is it because they stick with me. I like I, I want, I'm a problem solver and I'm curious and I, I'm always looking for new innovation. I'm also like, we got Silifirm in the summer and it did not touch a patient till October. I And people think I'm probably crazy. You have it, start using it. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with that. We come up with really deep protocols. Yeah. I was on my Instagram the other day saying, it's not just a Silifirm. It's not just a clear and brilliant. We have these pretty extensive protocols around everything. And that's because we, we're trying them out. We're on models and seeing what the outcome is and getting before and after and really getting super comfortable with the device. And that's just how I think it should be done. Absolutely. I think 
all of what you're saying, like I said, it, it just makes perfect sense why you've been so successful because this approach, while it shouldn't be, is very novel, right? This isn't the way the rest of the industry yeah. really does things. So it's really incredible. So we spoke a little bit about Renuva. What are some other either injectables or devices that are coming on the horizon in 2024? Maybe they're already available that you think are really going to be popular. I think, I think Silifarm, what just came out, X is incredible. I think it differs. I always tell everyone there's about 11 or 12 base technologies out there. All of these machines boil down to 11 or 12. People don't get that. So you mentioned Morpheus. That's a radio frequency microneedling device, but that's very different than Silifarm. It's like when you're a science nerd and you know what you're doing, it doesn't have an insulated needle. And this one you can dial in and out, which is why it's safe to treat darker skin types and pigmentation and everything else. While it's the same base technology, you got to look at like all the bells and whistles. The Honda isn't the same as a Ferrari, but they're both cars. I look at that. I think Silverm is going to be huge as it is. I think, I think more so than just the device, it's also going to be drug delivery. It's once we create this channel, what goodness can we get in there? And I've always been a big proponent of that. So whether it's vitamin C, whether it is exosomes, whether it's transgenic acid, we, with Tixel, we formulate our own serum that you use six hours post. Everyone's, I never did that with my other Tixels other places. And I'm like, I know, but we believe as a practice, your, your channels are open for six hours. And that's the extra step we took. So I think it's going to be that. And I think that it's going to be more about consistency. I think people want consistency, but my, listen, if I was going to a de deserted Island, I would probably bring a neurotoxin, Renuva, Silifirm. Yeah. And maybe an endosphere is with me for the body to get all the lymphatic drainage. They're the hot ones. Now I will also say, I think coring is huge for patients. We have ultra clears, but I, the, explain so that coring, to us a little there's, bit. There's mechanical coring versus laser coring. So it's for the patient that has more laxity throughout the jowl area. It's basically the way I describe it as if you had Play-Doh and you took a straw and you put it into the Play-Doh and took it out, that's mechanical coring. And then if you did that same thing with the straw, but you ablated all that tissue, that's laser coring. There's a lot of downtime with it, right? So it's a harder thing in Miami, but when it's done, it's like incredible. Um, and we actually do quite a bit of it. Um, so ultra clear has been incredible, but it's also for the right patient, but it's not for everybody. Um, but it's for someone who maybe doesn't want to get the facelift, doesn't want to get the neck lift and does want to have some tightening throughout here. You can't core everywhere. And then we have one new device coming down that I've taken a super deep dive on that I, I'm not going to say yet, but it's going to be out in about a month. And I don't think it's well known yet, but I think it'll become well known. I like to search for things before they become... I don't like to jump on bandwagons. I like to find mm -hmm. it out before and take a deeper dive. It's just, I love this industry so much. And this is my passion. It's shocking that after being here all week long that I still do all this research on the weekends, but it's just, it's something that I love to do. So I wholeheartedly feel that. I think that's when you know you're in the right industry, right? When you're up late and and like you said, on the weekends and you're still excited to learn more about it. I think, and I think that's a true blessing. I really do because not many people have that. So that's amazing. Okay. So you did mention a little bit about body devices. Body care in general is expected to rise infinitely in 2024. And we've seen this in the last few years, but I think it's really, we're at the impetus of it. What are some body devices or tools that you think are going to be popular in the next coming year? Um, I'm hoping that body devices increases along with the topicals. The thing is the real estate on your face is never, it just can't compete with the body. If you're going to, if you have that extra money 
And this is not something that you need to be doing. You're most likely going to spend it on your face and neck. So I think that's why body is always a little, you know, slower, the body devices, but I'm hoping that they pick up because there is with consistency, there's just, we've seen some transformations of people that actually stay consistent. It's also usually not like a one and done. Like with the body, there's nothing that I really have ever seen that's one and done. Even if you're doing RF McMillian on the stomach, it's usually multiple sessions. Maybe a peel for texture is like a one and done, but then the texture problem is going to come back. And I don't think anything in this industry is one and done, but I'm just saying, usually it's like with M-Sculpt, you're coming in once a week for four to six weeks. If you're doing Sculpt, you're coming in once every three weeks for a session for cellulite. I think that's probably the drawback to those devices, but we live in Miami, which is like people are wearing bikinis right now. I think there's a little bit more weight with it in places like this. I would also say... If people are interested in doing body, they should be doing it now, even in the colder places, because they'll look, if you give yourself three to six months, like it can really work wonders. I think it's going to grow because of Ozempic and semaglutide, you know, in general, Manjuro, Wegovy, like people are getting really lax skin and they are losing a large amount of weight. And after I worked with a plastic surgeon, Dr. Aguari in Seattle, and he did, he was known for weight loss surgery after massive weight loss and lower body lifts and stuff. And you had these patients coming in and they would lose like a hundred, 150 pounds, but like their skin, it was almost, they almost felt as bad because now they have the skin problem. Mm-hmm. So I do think if you're on one of those, if you're on a semaglutide and you're starting to see the laxity coming in to start to treat it with some of these devices is incredible. And the ones that we have here are endospheres for the lymphatic. We have sculpt, we have end... I think that's what we have. And, and we also have peels and RF microneedling for the body. I think it's going to be incredible. And you mentioned sculpt for cellulites. Can you, cellulite is probably one of the top body concerns I hear from my patients and followers. How does it work? What can people expect? Who's a good candidate for something? What it essentially does, if you look at this, if you look at the scale of devices, it's actually at the end of radio frequency frequency, it's actually a microwave technology. So if you have that banded cellulite, evenly heats through that to dissolve it to come to the surface. And then also you'll get that extra heat at a certain temperature that produces neocollagenesis for the tightening of the skin. So you actually have a deep handpiece and a shallow handpiece and you treat with both of them. It's I, I haven't seen anything on work as great as it. Um, I thought that Quo worked okay. But the problems with that. Quo and the, and the hemosiderin and the staining was so bad that I we did actually see it. But then it's the same case as even when you're doing sclerotherapy, you know, they haven't perfected that yet in the legs because sometimes the vein will go away, but then you have hemosiderin staining and that looks like bruising all over your legs. So I think that was the case with Quo. Obviously, it was taken off the market. It's not that we did a ton of it, but the cup we didn't because we were trying it out in our practice on, on our employees. So I think that sculpt is really safe and we've had some amazing results with it. It's just a couple treatments and it's consistency, but we've seen incredible results. 
Okay, good to know. That's a huge question I get very often. So I want to switch um, back to the face a little bit. And we spoke when I saw you about my struggle with melasma. And I think because I come from it from such a personal space, I'm hyper, hyper cautious because I've seen some horrible results people coming in with um, after lasers and things like that with um, terrible melasma flares. So I really avoid most lasers, not all, but most lasers on people with melasma. But I know that you have some... And of course, if someone has mild melasma, I'm always pre-treating things like that. But I would love to hear how you approach it because I know that you have a unique way that you approach your melasma patients and allow them to get the benefit of some of these devices while hopefully keeping them from flaring. I'd love to hear yeah, how you Yeah, so melasma is very near and dear to my heart. I saw a lot of melasma when I was in Seattle. I've also had the unique experience that I worked in Maryland, D.C. I've worked in, with a, a larger African-American clientele um, in Seattle with a larger Asian clientele and then down here with a larger Hispanic clientele. And then obviously Caucasian skin mixed in between. So I've seen it, but I, I saw it was more prevalent with my Asian skin types in Seattle and I saw quite a bit of it. And I be just, it just, I don't have melasma, but it just became a passion project. The way I view it is I think people think it's very, it's very sun induced. We know it's hormonal, but I, I really want to hone in on the trapped heat in the skin. It's a big problem. People don't understand that. So you're, I just did a, an Instagram about this, but your people that are going into the sauna, hot yoga, like keeping your skin really hot after working out, cooking, chefs with melasma, all these activities that are really hot are terrible. And saunas mm -hmm. are huge right now. Even red light therapy, some of these masks that people are using. So I think a lot of lifestyle is making it, is sparking it and making it worse. When we treat with laser, we don't just treat with laser and let you go. We treat and we pick, pick very safe lasers where the melanocyte activity live. We suppress the pigmentation as much as possible with pre-treating. And then you are literally cold when you leave my office. You do not leave with trapped heat in your skin. And I think that's transformative. I used to work with Fraxel in Seattle and I noticed this about clients, like, why wasn't it getting better? And then I started, we didn't have cryo devices then, but I used to take ultrasound jelly and freeze it, 30 bottles of it in a freezer. And I would just keep putting it on their face until it was cold. And I think it works. I think it can be amazing. And now it depends on patient to patient, like melasma to me, when I look at it, they're all different. They all have different life to them. And I think mm -hmm. once you've seen a lot of it, you say like, I think this device is great for this person. This device is great for this person. Um, but when used right, I don't think that it's bad. I actually think, and I've seen steamers in facials stir up melasma. Like every, so, so I yes, don't have absolutely. steamers in my office because I refuse to, we do facials steamerless. I also came out with an ice roller because it's so near and dear to my heart. I have, I tell people like, just put it in a little lunch bag when you're going to work out roll your face afterwards. If you're laying out by the pool, put it in your little wine thing. Like it's the one thing that you can do. And, and I call my clients who have melasma, the cool girls, they're just the cool girls. And that's how it is. That. You know, I also think that it's not curable and it's never going to be perfectly flawless. And if you're chasing that, you're always going to be disappointed. But if you can get it to a place where you can really maintain it beautifully, then you're winning in my opinion. And I wouldn't go after someone's melasma that I feel is super well-maintained with a laser. I think that's really bad. But starting out and seeing what works, we also have Aerolase right now, which is incredible for it. It's not ablative. There's no trapped heat in it. And we do it with a light mandelic peel. We've seen just incredible results, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. That's just not how it works. But I'm never one to say... I think trapped heat is the one thing that I could say firmly is not good. Um, obviously, I would say laying out in the sun firmly is not good. But I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. And I think 
just say like a generic statement, like lasers don't work on melasma is, is just putting a lot of things in one category. So I don't usually say things like that, but I think it's a very workable and I think you have to be very safe. And I think you have to have really strong protocols in place like we do. And the, so the, when I, you gave me a, an amazing, it's called your magic hour yeah. facial, right? It's where you pick and choose everything, all, everything that you want to use. Can you talk a little bit about the device you used on my skin? I, so I have rosacea and melasma. I get very vascular very quickly and, um, you used a cooling device. I don't even want to say cooling cause it was very cold, <laughs> like cold device to cool the skin down exactly for the reasons that you mentioned to reduce that trapped heat. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Device? Yeah. It's called the cryo T-shock. It's used for a lot of different things. I can also be used for toning and firming but on the face it's incredible for we can use it for post laser we also use it in the facial to, to treat capillaries because it actually treats very well it's not just a cold wand it has very specific settings that are have been studied for each in different indication but i there's certain things in a facial that i just wouldn't I just wouldn't do with someone with melasma. Esteem being one of them, putting a really strong acid on them that they get like super flush, like that can activate it. So I've just seen what works. And like for my cool girls, which I have a lot of them, like we stick to cool, more cool based treatments. Not that they're not effective. They're super effective. It's just, I think there's other ways. And maybe the most I will do is throw in a hot towel occasionally because it's just feels nice for momentarily relaxing. But like, aside from that, and honestly, I, I remember being in Seattle, we got this client's skin, her skin looked incredible, like before and after. And then I saw her two months later and it was like terrible. And I was, I couldn't believe it. She had finished, she started becoming a hot yoga instructor. And I was like, oh my God, she's literally sitting in this. So you really do have to take a deep dive into their lifestyle. I always talk about that because you don't want them triggering that. And, and the, the truth is like, the way I describe it is, let's just say we both have a jar underneath our skin. Your jar is slight. Your is slightly ajar. The lid is a little bit off, so we don't know what's going to activate that and have that mel melanocyte activity. Mm -hmm. Mine is pretty sh tightly shut, but even pregnancy, hormonal, your body temperature raises when you're pregnant. Like all of these things can come to play. And if you have melasma, I think it's you need to get to a place where you feel really confident with where it's at, and maybe not strive for complete flawless perfection because I have yet to see a person achieve that and, and have it stay away. Yes, absolutely. And I always tell my patients, you will deal with this for the rest of your life. It will ebb and flow at different times. And I have a lot of patients who are either yoga enthusiasts or yoga instructors. And hot yoga is huge in Miami, yeah. as plus it's just hot here all the time. I always have that conversation with them. We have to take a look at all these lifestyle factors and just understand that it may limit our ability to get you on the more clear side of things. I just like to, them to have all the information so then they can make the decision. Most of them are not going to give up their hot yoga right because they're they love it so much but they at least need to know about it so that they can make that decision for themselves absolutely okay one one device that i get a lot of questions about is the clear and brilliant i think it's one of those that the marketing is very good but it's also a really great device so i'd love to hear how you use it in your patient population i mean it's a staple i've loved clear and brilliant for so long I, you know i'm a kol for them so i actually train a lot on it and talk a lot about it um i think it just is it's super safe. It, there's not a lot of downtime, but it can have really impactful results for texture and tone of the skin. Once again, if you're a melasma patient, we treat you a certain way with it. But I even think, to be honest with you, some of my patients look incredible 
especially if they don't pull a lot of redness, if they're those people that tan really when they pull more bronze, bronzy, they actually look incredible, like right after it. Like some of them are like, you told me not to go out, but I actually want to go out to mm-hmm. dinner. So if it, it's, if this device that, and you can incorporate it with a lot on day six or seven, like when your clear and brilliant has peeled, you just feel like your skin just feels incredible. I, I think it's something that you could do a little bit more often. Some of these other ones, I would not do more often. There is like overuse with anything. It would be like you saying you can't get Botox every month. Like you, you just should not do that. It's just magic. There's two different hand pieces on it. We use the Permea one a lot, the 1927. It just has, it's incredible with sun damage. It's also a great introductory laser and it's great for men because men don't want to take, they're not really into the deeper dive of downtime. Some are, but in general, they like a little less of that. So I don't know. It's, it's tried and true. It's always in my arsenal. It's one of my faves. Um, and I think it, it can be used for a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's been super popular. And I think it's one of those that is warranted, right? Because it's the use of it is so wide. And like you said, you're getting great results. So we do get a ton of questions about that one. And during the facial I had with you, we were chatting about all so many things and you have some really exciting things coming ahead. But you said something to me that I would love for you to chat with the audience about. You said, when you want to do something, you don't look left or right. And that kind of stuck with me because I think that's something that if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur kind of have to adopt that mentality and for some people it's innate and for others it isn't so is have you always been that way how did you nurture that side of you and how do you approach your business whether it be new endeavors or your actual like brick and mortar practice yeah it's funny it's become a thing i say a lot but i really feel it if you're on the autobahn and you're going 300 miles an hour you're not you look left and look right and you get scared you just look straight and it's not that scary in the world today you look left and look right and other people doing things and there's we're all human right so it's very easy to compare i believe that comparison is the thief of joy So I just find that staying in my lane and trusting my gut, it's not that I just say, oh, I think this is a good idea. If I have to sit with a little bit longer, I'll sit with it. Um, I have amazing mentors um, that I I talk, you know, them about different things that I'm thinking about. But a lot of times it is, I always just think, what would I want? It's a very simple question. If I was coming into my practice, what would I want? And And that's how I've led, how I've led my business is, you know, I'd want a couple different kinds of waters. I'd want the sheets to be incredibly soft. I'd want the person to call me the next day and see how I'm doing. I want the person to check in a week after and see how I'm doing. I would want the best technology. It really just boils down to me as a person and the standards that I have, but I don't like to look around and see what other people are doing. It's never really served me very well. Not that I've always been that way. I've also been 20 and 25. And I I think that the older you get, just the, a little bit more clarity that you have, maybe a little confidence there. But today I really trust myself. And I know that if I put the client first, or if I put the employee first, or if I put those people first, then I'm going to make a good decision. And listen, if I don't make a good decision, usually it's, I don't take anything lightly, but if it's maybe the wrong, I pivot. I'll be like, that wasn't great. We recently opened, I, I needed more space. So I couldn't get the space next to me, which I wanted so bad. And so I, I got the space above me six months into it. I was like, I knew it wasn't my dream, but I was like, let's just do this temporarily. And recently the space came about and now I've just built it out. The one that I always wanted on the second floor, I got rid of the third floor. And now we have this incredible 
big office all connected, which was always the dream. But like I pivoted. I may, you're not always going to be like a hundred percent, but I think trusting your gut. And then I would say at the end of the day, like just laying your head down on your pillow at night. It's really important for me to be like, I did my best today and I was ethical and I treated people with respect and I gave all I had from me. And I, I knew that the treatments they were getting were being delivered in a safe manner. And I, I feel really good about the results. And I think the results part can take some time. I'm sure as a provider, like the more experience you have, the, the easier it's you're able to predict what it's going to look like or the outcome or depending on the skin type. So mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for all of my experience. I, I just don't think that's replaceable with anything. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy I don't look left or right. I like looking straight. Yeah, I, I love that. With that, what's next? What's next for you? What's next for the business? Anything that you can tell us that's coming on the horizon? Yeah, I don't always plan. That's another thing about me. I stay very present. It's helped me a lot in life. So I do have a couple things cooking and whatever they are, know that they've been cooking for a while because I, you know, when it's a big leap or a big jump, I usually um, really spend time nurturing that. I think we're just going to continue to do, you know, great work in Miami, learn new devices, improve on the protocols and procedures that we have. I'm really excited about the future. I, we just did the expansion. I'm not interested in expanding anymore. I think I'm done with the construction right now. I'm also building a home. So I'm a little a little oh, over the, the contractorship. I think mm -hmm. I feel so great about my team. I, I also, that's something I really never talk about, but I literally have the best team on the planet and the culture at my office is incredible. And I just feel really lucky to, and grateful today. And whatever comes about that will be there. If there's a new device coming, we probably looked at it or are looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited and probably I'll be surprised about what happens in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the best. The surprises are the best part of life, right? So a couple of last questions to wrap up. Uh, one is, what's your holy grail skincare product if you had to pick only one brand? Okay. Anything? I know you're going to think it's, I'm crazy, but it's probably Bioderma Micellar Water. I just love micellar water, and I feel like so many people put these expensive serums and whatnot on their face without clean, like without properly getting – I've never seen anyone really – except on TikTok or Instagram, really clean their face for about a minute, which is what it needs with a cleanser. So it's always yeah. quick. And then I'm like, don't put the serum on. So I just think that prepping is so important for the foundation. I'm always about the foundation. So I would say that's probably my, I can't go without it. That's a really good one. That's like the OG yeah. micellar water, such a fantastic product yes. and so affordable, which is amazing. What is your most underrated skin tip? That's a hard one. It is. Underrated skin tip. I always say mine is sleeping on your back uh, because it can really make such a difference with something like that, something easy that people can maybe are overlooking that we know makes a big difference. That I think a lot of people always are like, less is more, less is more. And less is less and more is more. So be somewhere in between. Like, why don't we just do what's appropriate for your skin type and, and be honest about it? Like when people come in here, I'm not like you need 17 products, but there's this really unique people out there that can really use anything on their face, like anything. Like they're just those people, they don't have mm -hmm. reactions and stuff. And maybe they want 17 products and I'm not going to tell them they can't mask three or four times, but the typical patient, like we give them what they need. Sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less, but I think not doing anything like I also think there's an issue with that. Like 
not washing your face and not wearing sunscreen and stuff. So I don't know. I don't really love less is more. I think it's just less is less, more is more. Like be really somewhere in the middle. I love that. I think that's a really great way to look at it. And again, it comes back to the entire idea that every single person is so unique and your expert needs to be somebody who can get through all the fluff and understand what your unique needs are, right? That's what it all comes down to. And very last question, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I thought about this and I've thought about it because I've been asked it before. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't tell her anything because I think that everything that I've gone through has built resilience, has built grit, has built determination, has built for, for I'm just ferocious in the, my, the way that I want to approach the world. And I think like you start telling your younger self that maybe you won't make the mistakes. Sometimes the mistakes or the little bit of fear or the anxiety is needed and it builds successful people. So I think I just stay quiet and let her live her life and see what happens. I love that. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap things up. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I know I learned a lot, so I know the audience is going to be super appreciative for all the information that you provided. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Amy Peterson. She is such a joy to talk to and so full of information. If you want to connect with her, I'm going to leave all of her information below in the show notes, as well as some of her favorite products that she mentioned. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It just helps me get to the ears of other skin enthusiasts that want to hear. And as always, I will talk to you next week, skin enthusiasts. I love that. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap things up. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I know I learned a lot, so I know the audience is going to be super appreciative for all the information that you provided. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Amy Peterson. She is such a joy to talk to and so full of information. If you want to connect with her, I'm going to leave all of her information below in the show notes, as well as some of her favorite products that she mentioned. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It just helps me get to the ears of other skin enthusiasts that want to hear. And as always, I will talk to you next week, skin enthusiasts.